Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 130. What's at the heart of igniting game-changing results? This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's great to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of innovation, growth, and success. Now, Pam, we are now in our first podcast of 2018, and we need to acknowledge that so much has changed that will impact all of us in the coming year. Yes. So let's touch lightly on a few of these changes and how they'll impact us. Sure. Well, first off, technologies of all kinds are continuing to evolve and accelerate all aspects of business, especially what we can offer our customers. Mm -hmm. Just for instance, artificial intelligence is increasing its impact, ranging from making predictions based on big data analysis to even aiding decisions as routine as who to hire. And these technologies are affecting the very nature of work. Yeah. And it's everything from the boards Mm -hmm. all the way through to the C-suite to the front line. And, you know, this is reflected in another change, and that is the evolving demographics of the workforce. Generational and other changes produce different expectations, different needs, different habits. And this has to be taken into account when you're thinking about attracting and retaining key talent uh, over the coming year. One of the things we're already seeing as we start 2018 is a tightening of labor markets that were already tight. Yes. In fact, there's a Wall Street Journal article on the front page today that cites this tightening labor market, how companies are struggling to attract talent and retain talent, and that wages are going up in, mm-hmm. a, in a number of areas. But, you know, throwing money at people isn't necessarily going to be enough, especially because there are different values and different expectations. It's never enough. Okay. Maybe they'll take the money for a year, mm-hmm. but they will be very vulnerable to being lured away to your competitor who's offering more money, but even more importantly, who's leading and managing to address these new needs and expectations. That's absolutely true. And the third area where we've seen a lot of change in the past year has been in laws and regulations of all kinds. We have changes in tax law, net neutrality, and so on, all of which affect critical issues of trade, labor, consumer relations, and so on. And of course, this is only going to increase in 2018. Right. This will affect what we invest in, how we develop our business offerings, and who's going to buy it. So there are a lot of changes to come. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. The point is, 
It's a very different world than it was just a year ago. And when we work with successful leaders who are growing their companies to make the world a better place, who want to be the disruptors and not the disrupted, the thing we always emphasize is that we need to constantly be changing our own game. Yeah. Because while we don't know exactly what will happen, nobody can. The one thing we can be certain about when we look a year ahead from now is that the world will be a very different place. Right. And these changes, while they bring real challenge, also bring real opportunity. So when you get down to it, what's at the heart of igniting and sustaining game-changing results? It's our ability to trust not only ourselves, but the others we work with so that we're on the same wavelength. Why is that so important? Because the best decisions will increasingly come from developing collective organizational intelligence Mm -hmm. and the most powerful action I believe, will come from people who trust each other enough to work together in new ways. That's true. And about a year ago, we did an episode called A Surprising Way Leaders Can Increase Trust that digs deeply into this very issue and offers ideas that you can use immediately. So at the beginning of this new year, when there's even greater need and opportunity for igniting and sustaining game-changing results, we're picking up on that conversation. Stay with us. Our regular listeners know that we're really big on keeping up with emerging trends and new studies that give us insights about things that impact business growth and success. And we recently read an article that cited a study that focused on some very troubling trends about the growth of distrust in many institutions, including business. That's right. The January 2017 Harvard Business Review featured an article about the most recent results of the Edelman Trust Barometer. They surveyed tens of thousands of people across dozens of countries about their level of trust in four areas, business, media, government, and NGOs. And they've been doing this now for about 17 years. Yes. And for the first time ever, the results showed a decline in trust in all four areas. Oh, wow. A particularly troubling statistic is the huge decline in confidence in leadership. And while we can't go into all of that here, you can get links to the Harvard Business Review article and also the Edelman Trust Barometer by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 115, and scroll down under resources. And not only did trust decline significantly in government, in leadership in government, which in some ways is not terribly surprising globally, Yes, trust in CEOs specifically declined 12 points this year, one of the largest declines in recent history. Wow. And this has a huge impact on all kinds of business issues, ranging from creation of strategy to innovation, entering new markets. That's right. It has a top and bottom line result. Absolutely. And there are lots of reasons for this decrease in trust in CEOs in the C-suite. And not all of these are under the control of the CEO. However, one of the things that is within an executive's control is the extent to which they are seen as being open and communicative. And one of the things that we've heard and experienced many times is that often stakeholders, employees, partners, other people feel like the CEO and the C-suite are holding back on the things that the stakeholders very frequently, accurately sense are going on, but don't fully understand. That's right. And it begins the 
creation of the elephant in the room. Okay, the elephant in the room where I know something's going on, you know something's going on. I know that you know that I know (laughs) that you know. And we're not talking about it. Exactly. The question is, why? Why is there this lack of communication? Well, you were talking about it a little bit. Uh, It starts out as we were just saying, and there are a variety of reasons that grow over time. So mm-hmm. it isn't just a stagnant elephant. Right. It starts out small, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's about confidentiality issues. Right. Say the company is going through a merger mm-hmm. or an acquisition now. Obviously, the C-suite can't talk about all these aspects of yep. it, but employees... And others can sense what's going on. Or that something is going on. They don't know what it is always, but they can sense it. And that can really degrade trust. That's right. That's one. So it's a very tricky issue to navigate, Mm -hmm. understandably so. Sometimes there are issues that are just uncomfortable. You know, it may be conflict among individuals Mm -hmm. or among groups. You see this especially in family yeah. run companies <laughs> where you've got so. the family baggage going on. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, this happened to me, and we're not going to talk about this here, but we really are <laughs> going to talk about it. And actually, though, it does happen. I've seen it happen in publicly held companies. Sure. And uh, it's a different dynamic, but it's still very much along those lines. Frequently, it's, I don't want to bring this up because I'm afraid doing it will make it worse. Mm-hmm. Let's let the sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, and that... <laughs> to mix my metaphors. Okay. And, well, the elephant can step on the sleeping dog, right? There you go. Yeah. And that, that can be a real issue. And all the time these things happen, they grow and trusty grades. And so it's not just that stakeholders distrust CEOs. The messy truth is that sometimes CEOs can distrust their stakeholders, or sometimes they just aren't sure how to open up and create conversation in a way that doesn't create more problems than are resolved. In any case, mutual silence feeds the elephant in the room, and this really results in a significant degradation of trust. Now, something our clients have been surprised by is that it is actually possible to increase trust even under these circumstances. Right. It starts with being the one to open the conversation and take control of the elephant in the room. And that's not always an easy decision. I agree. But if you look at that decision with ripple effects in a positive way, all of the benefits that can come from it, and they are considerable, it makes that decision much clearer. To do this well, you need to have an understanding of the dynamics of the elephant in the room. In fact, a while back, we wrote a report called How to Take Control of the Elephant in the Room. And we talked about how to spot the elephants in the room and how to understand more about what feeds them. Right. One of the things we don't discuss so much in that report is what's behind all those symptoms, Mm -hmm. which essentially comes down to a fear of vulnerability. Right, on both sides. So the question is, how do you overcome this fear of vulnerability and move to productive dialogue? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about how leaders can take control of the elephant in the room and increase trust. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us on Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. 
We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum in their companies for game-changing results. And we're on the web at businessadvance.com. Does this topic resonate with you? Check out related episodes to expand your perspective and take away even more immediately actionable ideas. Just go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 115, and scroll down to resources. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking about confronting elephants in the room as a surprising way leaders can increase trust, and especially talking about the issue of what's behind a lot of the symptoms we see when their elephants exist, and that is facing the fear of vulnerability. So the fear of vulnerability, what is that? It's feeling exposed, it's feeling in danger. Well, I think the best way to talk about it just briefly right now is from Brene Brown, who wrote a book called Daring Greatly. And her definition of vulnerability Mm -hmm. is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So it's the combination Mm -hmm. of those things. A good way to illustrate this is through a story you and I both know pretty well. And that's a company that we encountered. uh, The leader was very visionary Mm -hmm. and they were doing quite well. They were entering into new markets. The big, big challenge they were facing was despite everybody being all jazzed up, they're all excited about this. They see the why, you know, all the things that you would expect people to be doing if they're ready to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Nothing was happening on schedule. The milestones are being missed. Checkpoints are being missed. So it was clear to this leader that he had to do something different or he would be off track and it would be very difficult or even impossible to recover. So big stakes. Yeah. And so he was confused because his executive team you know, was in agreement. They all they all agreed on on the goals and milestones and concepts of what would happen. But when he would check with them, they would say, "Oh, you know, we've got these other priorities that are also important." Mm-hmm. And but yeah, as you said, ding ding ding, some something's not right. So this is a common scenario for elephants in the room. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody goes around usually saying, hey, we have a bunch of elephants here. Or we're going to avoid having a conversation with you. That's right. (laughs) But this is something that would be uh, an indicator that it might be happening. So in this case, in the course of the project, we were able to unearth some very important things. First of all, we were able to gain agreement on both sides that it was important for us to come in and talk with people. Mm -hmm. And here's what we found out. So on the side of the executives, what was that? It was really interesting because not only were they not really talking to our client, they weren't talking to each other. But over and over as we spoke to each one individually, a theme came out. Uh, you know, I've got obstacles here that are really beyond my control that are preventing me from doing the things that need to happen, but I, I don't know how to deal with them. So they were not certain. So there was the uncertainty element. There was the uncertainty element. And also, I should be able to handle this. So the risk 
of looking incompetent mm -hmm. and then emotional exposure? Well, it was, you know, if I talk about this, am I going to feel weak? Am I going to be perceived as not valuable? Mm -hmm. you know, what's going to happen? Exactly. Now, take that in parallel. So you've got the people you're talking about, the leader in this case, was saying, I don't know uh, the best way to handle this. And if I push too hard, the one thing I know, I fear losing people that are essential to our success. Yeah. So he highly valued them. So again, it goes back to uncertainty. Right. And risk. Right. And the emotional exposure. You know, I like to know that I'm in control. And, and I can make things happen. I can make things happen. And it took a lot of trust for him to decide to work with us mm -hmm. and with them. And so the good news is that we were able to help them and we provided them with a safe environment and people realized that they actually did want the same things. The elephants in the room came out. They were willing to begin to talk with each other mm -hmm. and actually be honest about what was happening. And through this, they were able to collaborate with each other on solutions that they never thought they could do before. The momentum they gained was tremendous, and they accelerated their deadlines and their goals by six months, which was worth millions of dollars. And that's the key, is to really work through the issues of vulnerability. And remember that the bottom line is there's always more to the story of why something's happening. So the vulnerability piece, uh, the being willing to have these conversations that are really critical mm -hmm. uh, is what we call a critical conversation. And before you can make decisions that are effective about what to do next, these critical conversations are essential. Well, that's right, because what really is going on most of the time is far beyond the symptom, the thing that people don't like that may, may bring them to the breaking point of saying, we have to do something about this. But because the folks who aren't talking to each other have their own perspectives, it, it's kind of a secret. And you have to peel back all the layers and get to all the things that are going on. And then when they're out on the table, then you can actually do something. And that's a good place for us to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about critical conversations and answer some of the questions that people have asked us about how to foster them. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. So Pam, we were just talking about our report, How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room, which people can download by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 115, and going down to resources. What are three reasons that people should read the report? The first is that spotting the elephant in the room is probably one of the more difficult things to do because it can look like different things. We spoke about one way that it appears, but it can be others. So people may not be even aware that there is an elephant in the mm -hmm. room. The second reason is that we talk about the food that feeds these elephants, makes them grow big. So you want to find that food as soon as possible. This report does talk about that. <laughs> and the third is, it's a great reminder on how you can actually take control of the elephants in the room. It's a great starting point. Okay. 
So go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 115, and request your complimentary copy of the report, How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room. And while you're there, check out our other free resources and other episodes of Growth Igniters Radio. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I have been talking about confronting elephants in the room as a surprising way leaders can increase trust. We're dedicating this segment to answering your questions, some of the questions that we've been asked about how to deal with critical conversations, as we call them, before you make the decisions about how to take control of the elephant in the room. Okay, so the first one is, all right, well, I know that there's something going on, and I sense that there's an issue. How do I start this conversation, this difficult conversation? Well, the first thing is you have to decide who everyone is that you need to include. Sometimes it seems like it's just the people that are immediately surrounding you. Mm -hmm. But especially if you're dealing with uh, an issue that might include a partner. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a joint venture partner, whether it's a strategic alliance partner, right. whether it's a uh, provider of services, you have to make sure that you've got everybody involved who needs to be involved, the stakeholders. Okay. And the other thing is, once you're pretty well assured that you have those people, is to speak with the individuals ahead of time to help them feel safe. You know, a lot of times what we'll find is that if we ask, is this working for you? Yeah. Uh, they'll say, no, this situation is not working for me, but I don't know what to do. Going back to the fear mm -hmm. of vulnerability. And if you offer them a way to come forward, we want to make things better. People do want to improve the situation. Okay. And in those individual conversations, you may find that they know people who need to be included that you may not know. So it adds richness to that conversation. That's right. So another question we've had is, how do we keep these conversations from turning into a blaming session? Well, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's their fault. Yeah. That's right. The first thing I want to say is to me, that is not candor. Okay. Candor is not finger pointing. Okay. So it generally tends to work best because we're talking about something that requires trust. Mm -hmm. Then we need to set the stage by looking at it from a positive outcome. What is it that we want to get from this conversation? And to approach it in a spirit of collaboration. So seek something that everyone can agree on and That's contribute right. to. Okay. So you talked about safe environment, creating a safe environment for the conversations. Okay, that's nice in theory. It doesn't always feel safe. How, how, how can leaders who want to have that critical conversation create that safe environment? It starts with bringing people into you. So we talked about having this invitation mm -hmm. to join in. Once people are together, it's about setting ground rules and saying, look, this is going to be a positive conversation. No finger pointing. Mm -hmm. uh, there are There's plenty of things to go around. What we want to do is to seek an outcome that's going to get us towards that big purpose that we're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. together. And at the same time, as a leader, mm -hmm. it's important to keep track of not just the content, but the nonverbal language. In our last episode... 
Mm-hmm. I spoke about uh, a time when I faced down a group that was definitely angry about some of the things that were going on. You were talking to them and... Yeah, I remember you telling the story. They were crossing their arms, they're frowning, they're not looking at you. That's right. And so what became important to me was to create a safe environment to enable these people to feel comfortable talking about what was going on. Mm-hmm. I chose to disclose. I chose to tell them why I was there. And that provided something of a safety. I told them, look, I'm here to help you, ultimately. And I had been able to provide them with enough other cues that I was not some evil spy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so providing that trust, and it comes from not just what you say, of course, Mm -hmm. but it comes from the way that you say things, the way you look when you're talking. Mm -hmm. So it's nonverbal language as well as the verbal language. And that all contributes to that sense of safety that takes down the level of risk and that fear of vulnerability that people talk about. Yeah, it it does. And uh, also, uh, another thing that we've spoken about multiple times is in a conversation, especially when there are multiple people, monitoring not just the content and the nonverbal language, but who's talking and who isn't talking. That's right. You have to keep you have to keep an eye out on everybody. It's a little bit like patting the head and rubbing the tummy. You know, you can't too much attention paid to what people are doing, and you've lost focus on the topic. Too much focus on the topic, you lose your ability to pay attention to what people are doing that can give important clues about what they feel. So it's constantly monitoring. The other thing I'll add is injecting a little bit of a note of humor. It sets a tone for safety. Yeah. And safety is the foundation for critical conversations to be successful. And so that this brings us to the next question, which is, okay, there's all these things we have to keep track of. When should we be thinking about bringing in somebody to help us with this issue? The more sensitive the issue... And the more emotionally charged it is, the more important it becomes, the greater potential upside there is to bringing somebody in who's experienced with finding the issues, Mm -hmm. being able to notice what's going on, being able to pat the head and rub the tummy at the same time. And and generally collaborate with everybody mm-hmm. in the sense of saying, I'm going to help you to create that safe environment so you can feel vulnerable, so we can amp up the nature of the conversation and really make the things happen that we want to have happen that are going to be big stakes. And if there are disparities in power, obviously, it, it can also help because it, it sort of puts a buffer in. It depends on the issue. I will say there are times to go it alone. Right. If you are dealing with your peers and you are good at all the other things we are talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something that, again, it's an escalating thing. Right. You have to choose when you're going to bring somebody in. Mm -hmm. The more complex the issue is Mm -hmm. and the higher the stakes, the more it makes sense to bring somebody in. Okay. So, Pam, we've talked about the elephants in the room and the things that feed them and some of the things that can be done to diffuse the situation and move forward. Any final thoughts in this episode? So the surprising way for leaders to increase stakeholder trust 
is to decide to trust stakeholders and ourselves as leaders. And one of the things we can do to help this is to be willing to identify the elephants in the room and to open the conversations that it takes to resolve the real issues. The more that you do this on a regular basis, the more you can ignite momentum and continue to sustain it as you grow. Thanks, Pam. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, download the report, How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 115. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this thought. So what elephants are lurking in the corners of your room? What will you do to bring them out to increase trust and accelerate success? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.